Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm loving the fall weather and the beautiful colors. Crystal, it is it is actually sunny outside today. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. It's almost like going back to summer for just a moment. Right? <laughs> Except just all the beautiful moment. leaf colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and awesome. the crispness in the air and the, Don't and the do frost that. on the ground. Don't do that. <laughs> Not summer. <laughs> summer is behind us. We have to let go, right? That's all right. what falls about it. letting go. <laughs> Speaking of letting go. Yeah. <laughs> We have a guest here that we just can't let go of, and she's back, and we're so excited yes. to have her with us, Nicole Bianchi. Hi, Nicole. Hey, it's so good to be back here with you. I was really looking forward to jumping on and having a conversation with you both. Oh, it's awesome. We are thrilled. We're thrilled to have you here today. So we are going to jump into your bio because we're going to get right to the to the nits and picks of it all, right? So award-winning entrepreneur Nicole Bianchi is the ultimate success story. From life on a farm to 16 years in leadership roles in two Fortune 300 companies, Nicole learned on the job what it really takes to be a great leader. Through what she's described as true bravery through consistent small moves, Nicole founded her own company in 2012, and her passion for helping others led her to coaching, consulting, and to penning her first book, Small Brave Moves. We love that book. We love that book. <laughs> known, known for coining the term bravership and widely regarded as the go-to resource for bravery and leadership, Nicole now serves as a consultant, master coach, and transformational speaker who has partnered with brands all over the globe. When she's not busy writing books, hosting retreats around the globe, and speaking on international stages, Nicole loves traveling with her husband and cheering on her three children in life. You can pretty much always catch her singing off-key karaoke with a full-bodied glass of wine in her hand. So thank you for coming and being back with us. We're so excited. We loved having you here the first time. We're just loving having you here the second time. Thank you for having me. I was so excited when you reached back out because I thought, ooh, we, we could have another fabulous conversation together. Yeah, we're just going to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to jump in. Okay. And that is... You've, you've already told us our, your story. When you put out Small Brave Moves, we asked you your story, and it was awesome. And we want people to go back and listen to that episode because it was amazing. And we know your story is even bigger than it was back then. So tell us your story. Give us an update. Well, I, after publishing Small Brave Moves and working with leaders, specifically on those mindsets, behaviors, and habits, Another theme kind of started teasing itself out and emerging, uh, whether it was in um, coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, some workshops, or even uh, people coming up at, after my speaking to the stage to want to have a conversation about it. And it continued to boil down to kind of one common element, and that was 
a conversation that they had been putting off that they have not yet had and mm. weren't sure how to have it. And so all of these signs were like kind of aligning mm. up. And I thought to myself, okay, why have we not figured this out yet? I mean, why, yeah. why are we having the same conversation over and over? And I really started reflecting, quieting my mind and thinking about what is it and really listening to what leaders were asking for and what they were needing. And it came down to, I don't know how to start conversations. I'm not quite sure. I might be too direct or maybe I'm too caring or I'm too this. I don't know how to start it. Mm. I'm not sure what I should be thinking about. And then the last one, so kind of that messy middle yeah. was really tough. But then ending with accountability and action. Mm -hmm. How do I close out this conversation for action and then accountability so that, and this is a common coaching mm -hmm. challenge. I mean, when you think about the conversations that we have and my coaching clients repeatedly come back for, okay, I have to have another conversation. And sometimes these, sometimes the conversations are up with their leader, mm -hmm. CEO, somebody, it could be to the side with a peer, or it could be somebody on their team. Right? Yeah. 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 You know, it's so interesting that when you think about the things that people get stuck on, it's always the beginning and the end. You know, the middle, they, they've they already been in that messy middle, right? They already used to being in the murk. But um, it's that, how do I start it? How do I get some kind of closure to where I feel there's going to be something done about it, right? So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I think one of the things that I've, you know, I love all things in this book, but one yeah. of the things that I thought was super helpful, and I know my clients will love it, is the conversation starters. Mm. I have people always say, well, what do I say? And so we'll talk about that. And sometimes I'll give them ideas and they're like, oh, I wish I could, you know, I'm going to write that down. And it's like, no, you got to do it in your own words. But this actually gives them the language, mm -hmm. which I think can be a big barrier for people. So I loved that. Yeah, there's so many things that I love about this book. The way you've the way you've formatted it, you make it it's like the most awesome roadmap. I just really love it. And I have um, I've been actually using it lately with my clients and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah well now I'm gonna have to go out and buy a whole bunch more I because know, everybody wants a copy, right? <laughs> just like small brave moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a bunch of them over my, here. <laughs> my aspiration is I wanted it to feel like a playbook where people could yeah, pick yeah. it back up go back into it, use it. Um, and, and so my, my big, big, big aspiration is I would love, I mean, in a few years, if leaders all over the world said, wow, this is on this, this is on my desk. This is next. Yeah. I keep this near me mm -hmm. and use this as my go-to reference anytime I need to have a conversation so that I'm ready to go. I'm yeah. ready to go. And I use it as a playbook. Yep. I think it, it totally, you, you, definitely hit the target on that. Well, and you did that with your other one too. I mean, that's, it's interesting because those really are references that you can keep right or resources right on the desk and it, and they're relevant every single time you open them. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that many leaders struggle when they are faced with situations that require them to have difficult conversations. Like we, we've seen it when we, in our corporate work, we've seen it with mm -hmm. our clients, um, working with leaders. You call your new book, Five Tough Talks. A playbook for every, we just talked about this, right? A playbook for every tough talk you need to have in your professional and personal life. Would you care to share what the five types of tough talks are? So give us a little sneak peek there. And which one or two you consider to be the toughest 
and why? Oh, that's a good question. So first, um, I realized that not all tough conversations are equal, even though we talk about them all generically, that there's tougher, tougher conversations. And so you'll see in there, it's it's done against a bit of a scale because I think we have to get really, really good at the first three uh, so we can have a lot less of the last mm-hmm. two. And the first one is, mm-hmm. is the how we work conversation. So what do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? And in teams or even working cross-functionally on a project or working with your leader, we get so focused on the goals and the tasks, the objectives of what we're trying to accomplish that we don't talk about the, well, wait, behaviorally, how do we want to show up for each other? What can we expect of each other? If I have to challenge you or give you feedback, what's the best way to do it? Or if I'm seeing something you're not seeing, how should I let you know that? Yeah. And until we, you know, so then what happens is, is you have expectations of me. I have expectations of you, but we're failing each other because Mm. we haven't articulated them. Even something so simple as how do we want to communicate? Uh, What should our communication expectations be outside of work? If something's going on, should we be texting? What should our turnaround time be? What should even just detailed things like that, which if we invest in the, how we work conversation and I've done this with one-on-one with individuals and then within teams, it accelerates the momentum, the cohesion of the team or one-on-one relationship, yeah. the momentum, because we take the guesswork out. Yeah. We know, we know now, right? Yeah. But we don't, yeah. we're so focused on the goal, objective or tasks that we don't have that conversation. And oftentimes, and you probably get this as coaches as well, then we're brought in, right? To have a conversation with the leader yes. or work with a team that's experiencing a little bit of dysfunction. And I can always boil it down to this is the missed conversation. Yeah. They never ever set agreements on how to best work together, how to show up for each other. Yeah. And so we go back to that. Here yeah. we go. So in the book, I talk about one-on-one how to do it, how to do it as a team. And then even if you're a new leader with a team, here's a leader assimilation process you can walk through so that you can take the guesswork out of that and accelerate that first 30 to mm-hmm. 60 days of you assuming that new leadership role. Yeah. So that's the first Love conversation, that. how we work. The next one is the ask. And that ask can be so hard for us because we feel like, especially as leaders, we have to have all the answers. We have to be Mm -hmm. the experts, right? But asking for help, asking for permission and asking for acknowledgement are the three asks we need to be able to have in those conversations. And so then that's number two. The third one is what's going on. So this is where we noticed a shift in the relationship. So let's say we are aligned, but now it feels like we're getting a little out of alignment on something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, wait, what's going on here? And kind of exploring what what's getting in the way of us doing what, or if we're out of alignment, how do we quick get back into mm-hmm. alignment? Yes. Or it could just be simply put, you're noticing something in somebody else that they're not even noticing in themselves, right? Yeah. They could become frustrated, irritated, late, something, and your presence is the intervention. And you just asking like, hey, I just want to check in, right? Because I care about you. I've noticed this. Let's talk about what's going on. Because so many times people don't even realize how they're showing up or that Mm -hmm. maybe because I'm irritated about something that's coming out and some of the things I'm doing. And so that's, that's a really important conversation. And if we get, again, going back to the first three, how we work, the ask and the what's going on, that's all about investing in the relationship. Mm -hmm. We're just investing in our relationships and asking for what we need 
And if we do those three really well, we should have a lot less of the being better. The fourth conversation, which is mm-hmm. you're noticing a pattern of behavior and you have to have a being better conversation with somebody or a team or, you know, somebody you're working with. And then the final one is the moving on conversation. And that is a tough one, right? Because yeah. you're recognizing that this is no longer working. This is no longer serving. And so we have to have a conversation around what does it look like next? And that could be a departure mm-hmm. from a position, a project, a relationship. Yeah. Uh, and so of those, back to your question of, okay, which ones are the toughest? Yeah. Ones I hear most often for leaders is the what's going on one. Right. And that's because it's awkward. So I kind of, they're like, Nicole, it's just awkward. Or I feel like I'm going to be a therapist. And I'm like, you're not a therapist, you're a leader and a coach. And you asking this question will help unfold. And you'll know what to do then in that, in that, as you're learning that information. And then the moving on one is the other one that I hear. But I will also say I have leaders that say the being better one is the hardest because they haven't had the first three. Yes. Right. So they missed all the first three and now they have to go, oh, gosh, I have to have this like pattern of behavior conversation or and, and it, now they built it up so big because I haven't had the other three. It's so hard. So my yeah. goal is like, let's get really good at the first three. And then you'll be so good at those three that the fourth and fifth one, if you do have to have them. It's going to be okay Mm, because you mastered all these other three. Yeah. 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 You know, that's so, it's so interesting um, as you were talking about, you know, like setting the stage in the beginning, like, how are you going to communicate with one another? How are you, what are your expectations? I know that with a lot of my clients, that's not the case. They've not done that or they never knew that they should, right? It's just, it's not something that they would normally have done in their world. And I don't think we, we, you know, overtly teach that to people when they become leaders, right? But it's the hardest one to go back to sometimes because they've already set their their patterns of behavior and, and communication with the people that they have. And so those individuals then are going, why are we doing this now? You know, but it's so important. It really is so important. I, I actually have, I love that chapter because I'm going to be using it for team building um, in the next week or two. And I'm excited about it because we're going to be talking, it's a brand new team. Everybody's new. And I thought this is the perfect example of, of how to do things right on the front end. So we're going to use it as a model. Yeah. Perfect. Oh and my gosh. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Yeah, Yeah. I will tell you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think sometimes, too, what happens is people just assume that it's like, well, we just all need to be professional. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand that what that means to me is different than what it means to you. And that what you have in your mind is just as valid Mm -hmm. of an assumption as I have in my mind. And oftentimes we don't align. And so that even though that can be a hard conversation, at least you've had it Trisha, like you were saying, up front, Mm -hmm. rather than you've got all these bad behaviors and now you have to like unravel and you've got dissension and going on. It's much easier to have that up front. One of the first exercises I start off with that is an aha moment for people is I'll have them draw. When I say the word bear, I want you to draw what that means to you. Yeah. And they'll draw it on their little post-it note. And you'll have some people draw a bear, the animal. They will draw a bear cupboard. Mm. They will draw a naked person bear, mm-hmm. right? Like something like kind of giggling and laughing. And there'll be a couple other ones. And, and so I'll say that was one word I said out loud and look at all of the interpretations so of great. one word. Yeah. And then they're like, 
oh, and I said, so when we go through what you're going to go through that team building you're talking about, and we start crafting our agreements, I'm going to challenge us to get real specific. And I'm going to challenge us to get so specific that you're going to be like, oh, Nicole, but it's important for us to talk about what's it going to look like in action? Because once we all understand what it needs to look like in action or what we really want from each other, the more specific, then we know how to show up for each other. Because inevitably what will come out is like, well, we need to be better at communicating or yeah. we need to communicate that. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Communication or trust. It's such a generic and big word. We're going to take it down five levels, get real specific. So we both know. And then we're like, ah, we know what this means now. And we know how to show up for each other. Yeah. I love that. And it's very rarely done. It's very, very rarely broken down to that, you know, fundamental spot in the world where people, oh, so it's that easy, you know, because it doesn't have to be as hard as it is. Everybody makes it so hard. You know, we all come to the table with our own perceptions, right? Yeah. So cool. So you were talking about chapter three earlier and the ask. You focus on ways in which um, one can make requests and you cleverly make this acronym and I loved it that you used the the acronym brave right um, to describe steps one can take to prepare for each type of ask why do you think it's so difficult for people to ask for help support and permission other things and how do your steps shift behaviors or thinking towards braver moves I think it's hard I mentioned earlier it's hard because as leaders we we are expected to be the experts, to have all the answers, to have it figured out, to, to do that. And number one, we also, number two, put that pressure on ourselves, mm-hmm. right? This like, we've got to be perfect. Everything's got to be right. So it's either self-induced. It could be culturally induced. It could be induced by your leader. It could be a variety of different reasons. So asking for help can be really hard for people. Asking for permission to do something can be challenging, especially if you think somebody's going to say no, or even just take getting somebody to acknowledge a situation that's happening right now and Mm -hmm. asking them to acknowledge it. And so when you think about all three of those asks, they tend to be very emotionally fueled, right? We're feeling a high degree of some kind of an emotion. And I talk about the different emotions Mm -hmm. in that. And then they, you know, and, and about the topic. And so I really wanted them to say, gosh, if I can pull back, bring some facts to build a case for why I'm either asking for help, asking for permission, or I need them to see this acknowledgement piece, then I can make it a little bit more centered of an ask. Unless, um, and I share the story around somebody I was coaching who wanted to ask somebody to be a mentor for them. And we didn't get really specific into the brave model at this point. Mm-hmm. And I realized they kept putting it off, putting it off. And it's because they kept telling themselves like, well, they don't have time or, you know, they're not going to have time for me. They're not going to have time to do this. And they were making up all these excuses. And I was like, well, then I started playing around with the framework with them going, okay, if we boiled it down to this, does it make the ask a little bit easier? Does it make a little more objective? Does it feel a little less scary? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it started working and I started repeating it and playing around with it. And it was like, okay, this this lessens a little bit of the burden, having something that can acknowledge how we're feeling. How could we script it out in a way that allows people to listen to what we're asking for? Right. Yeah, it's well, it's interesting. And it's like, it is asking. And I I was talking to Crystal earlier about how a coach of mine one time said somebody offered to help me on, on something or if I was thinking about asking, but I just 
backed out of it. It's before I read Small Brave Moves. But um, <laughs> but I, my coach said, so how does it feel to be so selfish that you're not asking other people for help or you're not allowing them to offer it? And I thought, wow. I never thought of it that way, but I mean, that's another way of taking a look at that and saying there's also giving in both of those roles, right? So anyway, just thought I'd share. (laughs) So our next question has to do with your chapter of moving on, and that's obviously about departures. So just quoting you in, in that chapter, having a tough conversation is not about being right Tough conversations are about both parties and require you to consider the relational dynamics of the conversation as you participate with the other person. How should readers prepare to own their tough talk for moving on? Mm. Well, one, preparing and really reflecting and thinking about what is, you know, what is the departure about and what is, you know, what's happening? What's the situation and what outcome are you looking for? And what do you own and what do they Mm. own? And sometimes the moving on conversations can feel very one-sided. Sometimes there's ownership in both sides. And I can think of multiple times where I wasn't brave enough to really share why I was moving on or why this was no longer working. And, and I, and it damaged the relationships that I had with these people. Um, I recognize that throughout my career by me not being brave enough to do it. And so being able to sit down and even, and I think moving on is sometimes more than one conversation. It could be a series of conversations Mm -hmm. to figure out what's best and what does it need to look like? And can we co-create what moving on looks like together? Right. And what does the, the new for you and the new for me, but sometimes, you know, um, whether we're leaving a position, whether we're leaving a project or a company, it can just feel so personal, Mm -hmm. right? And so, and people can take it personally. I have a conversation with somebody I've been working with um, for a while, and I'm going to have to have a moving on conversation because we've kind of, we've both helped each other out in a way and it's served its purpose, but not really for that next three to six months. And I'm already thinking about how do I do it in such a way that I can preserve? I still want to have a relationship, right. but that just recognize that some people and some things come into our lives for a period of time and it's okay to move on from those mm-hmm. and they no longer, you know, serve you in the way they did initially, but that we can still support each other in other ways. And those, those can be tough because for me, I really don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but continuing on in the same capacity is not an option either. Yeah. So what does that look like and how can you make it work? Mm-hmm. You know, that made me think about the beginning agreements and the, and the you know, how do you communicate with one another and wondering how, how valuable that could be having that conversation on the front end too. It's like, you know, how do we want to end this when, when we finally have finished our trip together? You know, that kind of thing. And it might, I don't know, I could imagine it would make that, that whole step a lot easier. That's a great question. Can we add that for for <laughs> starters? Because think about it, yeah. like what you know, whether it's a project or even if it's a yeah. a contracted position where you're not, you know, it's not a. There's several examples where I could see, you know, listen, when it's time to wind this down, what does that need to look yeah. like for us, mm-hmm. so that we that we both feel respected, seen, and heard you know, when that makes sense and that we're like, yeah, okay, we're ready to move on. Yeah. You can come to some kind of agreement, you know, on the front end and then it's more of a contract or a negotiation, right? 
Cool. Yeah, I love that. That's a great ad. So we're asking you these questions because they are the next questions because they are a part of something we're working on this year, the HOPE research project that we are on. And can't wait to ask you these. Our first question is, where do you see signs of hope in the world today? Mm. I, I take a lot of joy in simple hope, especially in the mornings. And I'll tell you, I think waking up and the sun is shining mm-hmm. and you know, it's a beautiful day. And I think even on my toughest days and I've, there's, you know, writing a book and, and publishing a book and speaking on a book, it is a series of highs and lows. There's these moments where you're like, oh my gosh. And you get these big adrenaline rushes and then you get these, oh, there's a mistake or there's this, or there's roadblocks or things that have jumped out that you just didn't see coming that are slowing you down. And Mm -hmm. so it's easy to get caught up in this cycle of high highs and low lows. And I find that when I start my day off right, every single day with a hope-driven mindset, which I talk about in Small Brave Moves, around hope-driven mindset is that positive expectation for a better future. And it's a motivation to reach whatever that desired outcome you're looking for for that day. Mm. And so for me, setting my mindset and having that hope-driven mindset and loosening the grip on perfection or things that I can't really control, even though I think I can, um, enables me to flow throughout the day in a much, I'm like a different person. I'll, I'll tell you on the days I don't practice this and I don't take my time for about 30 minutes to go through my series of practices so that I can do that. I don't show up at my as my very best and I don't show up as um, I show up more anxious. I show up more fearful. I show up less confident. Mm. And so for me, having that morning practice and getting into flow, this flow state, I just show up as a different person. I really I feel it. I actually feel it in my mm-hmm. body as well. So yeah. I'm thinking that that really is the answer to your, our second question then, because the question is, how do you sustain hope for yourself? And so that sounds like you've got a, you've got a routine yeah. that gets you there, right? I have a good routine in the morning and I'm working on a routine at night. Mm-hmm. So the night, I, I know the bookends are very important and ending my day, there's um, three questions that I actually just printed and put by my nightstand because I wanted to start this practice. Um, so what I appreciate hopefully about the leaders and coaches that are listening to this is we're all on a journey and we're trying to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So some people will go, Oh, you've got it all figured out. You've got two books. And I'm like, yeah, I've got aspects figured out, but I'm still working very hard on being a better version of myself as well. Okay. And so when I think about those three questions, it talks about what showed up for you today that you want a a moment of gratitude for what left you today that you should be thankful for, like Mm -hmm. something that sometimes when, when we lose things throughout the day, whether it's, um, gosh, a project, a client, or just a moment that we may have missed out on. Sometimes it's easy to dwell on that. And it's like, well, maybe there was a reason why that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to start practicing these questions on the end of the day. So I can just kind of sit and take a deep breath and recognize what were the wins? What were the, what were the peaks? What were the valleys? And what was an unexpected blessing I need to be thankful for, for Mm -hmm. today so that I can rest my mind and, and then start again the next day. But For me, letting go of control and perfection has enabled me to have a much higher hope-driven mindset for sure. Yeah, I love love that. that. And I think sometimes, you know, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the letting go conversation, that sometimes we do get wrapped up in our own 
thoughts and thinking about that it's about us. Mm. And we don't really know. It's it's kind of like coaching in a way. We don't know what somebody's path is. Mm. And so by holding on to that and not releasing them to go on their path that they really should maybe be on that they it's not working for them anymore, then better things are happening, going to happen for that person. And we're only mm. holding them back. And Sometimes that can be hard to hold on to, mm-hmm. but yeah, I love that. Very. Yeah. So you're inspiring me to think about, and Yay. I'm getting much better at the morning routine, but really being intentional about that evening routine, I think, um, is really important. Yeah. Have to tell a story. It reminds me of when I was growing up, my dad used to do kind of a debrief at the end of every day. And it was, what did I do really well today that I could be proud of? What did I do that I could have done better today that I need to just start tomorrow thinking, let's do it from a different angle? And um, and what is my most grateful moment? What am I most grateful for today? And he, that's how he went to bed every night. That's how he, he put everything to bed because he had a really stressful job and it was like it allowed him to sleep every night and so when I was a kid and I would stress out about something he would say okay let's let's talk about this you know and he would let's go to bed and let's talk about you know what did you do really well today and he always started that way he was just so awesome about that but that's something I'll never forget because it's a routine that he did and I've let that go over the years, but it sounds like that might be something mm-hmm. to resurface because it's a great a great way to just put your day to bed, right? Yeah. I get goosebumps. I, it, you know what's coming up for me is transition. The word transition mm. is what you're making me think of. It's like, how do we transition from, yes. you know, whether it's whatever are we do in the evening times, how do we make that transition so that we can kind of end it in a powerful way? I love that. Now, mm. you're inspiring me to do more of this. I need to be more... <laughs> in that in the evening time just give me a call no. <laughs> so how do you engage or inspire others to be hopeful when we demonstrate hope-driven mindset and we model it I know we inspire it in others yeah. and so I talk openly about practices that you can have around having a hope-driven mindset which one of them is protecting your energy mm-hmm. it's hard when your mm-hmm. energy is low or you're not feeling your best to have a hope-driven mindset, it's easy to kind of fall into a little bit of negativity or, you know, whatever it is that comes up for you. And so one of the top things I really work hard on is protecting my energy. So Wednesday, I had a super full day at a speaking engagement, a book release party. Thursday, I blocked my day and I did self-care. I went and got my hair done. I went and got a massage because it had been like months since I had had a massage. And I just, I sat and I was still, and that's, hard for somebody who really likes to take action and do things all the time. And I, but I knew I needed it. I knew. So protecting your energy, looking at your calendar, I color code my calendar to make sure I've got plenty of energy fillers and not the drainers all the time, because the drainers are really, really hard for me to, Mm -hmm. to be that hope driven mindset. When we're making those moves, we're inspiring others to do just that. Yeah. It's so true. I love that. You have so many things that are keeping you busy these days. What is exciting your socks off (laughs) and what's on the horizon for you? Ooh, that's a good one. So when I was in the middle of developing the framework for five tough talks and prototyping it with companies all over, I started getting asks for, hey, we know you're busy. Could you help certify us? And and help us bring this into our company and our business. 
And the more I sat with that and started thinking about different models and ways to do it, I was like, that's it. That's the answer. The only way we can really get every leader and team and employee, anybody in the organization to be really good at any of these five conversations is to build capability inside their organizations. And that's through a certification, a simple, easy certification process and build a community around tough conversations. And so when you talk about what's exciting and on the horizon, I have a founders group I'll be launching in December to to start it. And then we'll be launching it in the spring, uh, a full certification program where you get an opportunity to be a part of uh, the five tough talks community. Um, We'll be doing something similar with small brave moves around the mindsets, behaviors, and habits so that um, you can be a part of this community around being a braver leader, right? And being braver in the moves that you want to make. And, uh, and we'll continue to release new, new things around those as well. So for me, this is something um, I, when I was doing the framework, I hadn't quite thought about how to turn it into an entire operating system. And that's what I am definitely being called to do. And it's really clear. And um, so we're in the midst of building that right now. Oh, this is so important and so needed. I'm I'm excited about this. You're kind of like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome of leadership, right? This is yeah, great. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about that. In fact, I know that in the book, and so I'm going to really encourage people to go out and get this book because it is, I'm not kidding, folks, it is awesome. And at the end of each chapter, there's a QR code, and it takes you to um, more information about that certification and a few other things. So, you know, please be sure to um, check it out. It's it's well worth your time and your effort. So giving you the last word, anything that we didn't get to that you really want our listeners to understand or walk away with? 80% of us are avoiding a difficult conversation right now. Mm. So that means if you're listening, 80% of us are avoiding a difficult conversation right now. Mm. And what I want you to think about instead of avoiding it, I want you to think about we teach others how to treat us mm. by our actions, right? So by us not saying anything or avoiding that difficult conversation, we're teaching others um, how to treat us. That's and true. so- Instead of it being about us and our nerves and our, I want you to take the time to invest in the relationship by using the five tough talks framework, because if you invest in the relationship, the results will follow. So think about it that way. If you invest in the relationship, those first three conversations, the results are going to come and you'll have done your job as a leader, a team member, Mm. um, you know, anything like that. And so that's what I would leave um, our listeners with. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the podcast. We know how busy you are just launching your book. We're excited for you and all the success that you're having. And we really encourage all of our listeners to go out and to buy this book and use it. Yes. You can, it's one of those things you can use every day. Um, like you said, it should be it should be required reading on people's desks. Yep. Yeah. So, um, And you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other bookstores anything else about where people can find you and we'll put links to in our show notes but where do yeah, where where do people find you connect. linkedin is a great place for us to connect and have conversations instagram or head out to my site nicole m 
bianchi.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I blast out once a week, um, a newsletter with some tips and some additional things around being braver in the work that we're trying to do together. So Mm. lovely. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Nicole. Take care. It has been a wonderful time. Well, that was so energizing and inspiring. I feel like I've just gotten kind of a new lease on life or something. It or took a took a vitamin. She just really pumps you up. You know, she gets yeah. you excited about so many things and I'm, she's just a an amazing person anyway. I just love listening to her story and what she's doing and and you could just tell she's super excited about everything. So, it's wonderful, very inspirational. Yeah. I came away with just so many good ideas. Oh my goodness. And I have to say I know I said it in an interview, but one of my favorite things about this book is those conversation starters because they are so helpful Mm -hmm. when you can, you know, make it your own, of course, but it gets you going and having those tough conversations. So we, we just really encourage people to get out there and, and to buy this book. Yeah. This is one of those, I mean, honestly, I I thought small brave moves was good too. I mean, it was was an amazing book, but this one is sort of a game changer for me. It's funny. I immediately could see application with people that I work with. Yeah. And um, I love that. And so I am promoting it a lot at work because I think it's important for people to know that there are resources that are easy to understand, may seem hard to follow, but they're not. They are yeah. step by step. So step this is step. just amazing. Yeah. And it's so common, right? Everybody's got to deal with all these things. Yes. So all those talks. So let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. We have so many exceptional podcast episodes coming up, more with fantastic guests just like Nicole. Mm -hmm. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show, though today we did it on our own. Yes, we did. (laughs) High five. (laughs) Finally, please take 30 seconds and follow us. It helps you because you never miss an episode. And it helps us because you never miss an episode. To follow us, go to the Lifting Leaders Podcast Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share the episode with a friend, we'd be so grateful. Thank you, Trisha, for bringing Nicole to us again. Oh, my goodness. It was a pleasure. Thank you for just the time today. I think it was, we, we spent our time very well. Yes, we did. Many thanks to you, our listeners. We appreciate you so much. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fabulous week. Take care. <laughs>